0: Hi, I'm Alan West with Alan and Amy West Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas
1: Ag Today.
2: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture.
3: Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen news stories all over the place about the long lines at Texas livestock auctions. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show my name's is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture from the piney woods of east texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the panhandle down to the rio grande valley
4: going from trying out a new crop to developing a new business i'm james hunt and coming up on texas ag today We'll talk about one Texas Panhandle family's experience with grapes and wine.
5: We'll go to the Texas South Plains cotton fields and talk to one farmer who assesses his dry land and irrigated crops in the midst of the drought and very hot temperatures. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that producer's comments on Texas Ag today.
3: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. High temperatures and drought are causing liquidation of cattle herds all over Texas, and the long lines at Texas livestock auctions have made national news over the past week. Hemp Hill County agent Andy Holloway says our auction markets are seeing massive numbers of cows selling.
6: I have some friends out near Sulphur Springs, Texas, which is east of Dallas, and there's a sale barn near Sulphur Springs at Emory. That little barn generally runs a 1, 1,200 head of cattle a week. This last week, it ran close to four thousand head. They typically have about two hundred sellers. They had over five hundred sellers this past week, and most of the cattle that were selling were mother cows. And most of those cows were going to the cow packer.
3: And Holloway says it looks like history is repeating itself.
6: This is a scenario that is very similar to what we went through in 11 and 12. And then for people that were around, remember the cattle prices in 13, 14, and early 15. They were record prices. I think we're on a parallel trend to that situation to experience that again.
3: That could be a good opportunity for cattle producers who have the resources to hang on through this drought. One bright spot in our current cattle situation is that the cattle market has taken a nice bounce upward over the past couple of weeks. Texas AM and m Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says the corn market has dropped sharply, and that in turn has boosted feeder cattle and calf prices.
7: Certainly some some respite from these higher corn prices or some backing off in corn prices. I think we'll see get translated to some lighter weight calf prices pretty quickly where we'll get a little bounce in those prices as we get a little relief on the feed cost side.
3: Corn prices have taken a sharp drop in the past month but we're still looking at six dollar corn which is very expensive compared to recent years. The top Republicans on the House and Senate Agriculture Committees are calling on the Environmental Protection Agency to stop politicizing crop protection tools. Representative Glenn G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania and Senator John Bozeman of Arkansas have penned a letter to the EPA about the concerning trend of them disregarding scientifically sound risk-based regulatory processes and unilaterally denying access to a range of crop protection tools. The lawmakers say our policies should be focused on supporting American production instead of creating further burdens and ambiguity for our farmers and ranchers. The Texas Panhandle isn't the first region you think of when it comes to wine, but James Hunt tells us there's at least one farmer there who's giving it a try.
4: As we talked about in our previous report, Steve Yoder's family farm in Dalhart was running into issues with a declining groundwater supply, so they began looking for a high-value crop they could devote a small amount of acres to. That crop turned out to be wine grapes, and they began planting their vineyard in 2015. Initially they hadn't planned to market their own wine, just grow the grapes and sell them. But Yoder says those plans changed early on.
8: When we had our first crops, it was kind of hard to get a contract since we hadn't grown grapes or sold them to anyone before. And I think the first year we had some fruit, it was one year that Texas had a lot of fruit. So there wasn't really a big demand. There was already the demand was being met we had extra fruit and we thought well let's just make some ourselves and we'll figure out a way to sell it once we make it.
4: As things evolved Yoder says they began working with a winery downstate that actually makes the wine for them but the Yoders now have a wine tasting room in Dalhart and Steve Yoder says they offer quite a variety under the Yoder Cellars label.
8: We have Cabernet Sauvignon, we have Cabernet Franc, we have Gruner Veltliner, which we were the first ones in Texas to plant a Gruner Veltliner grape. It's an Austrian grape that seems to do very well in our vineyard. a little bit more cult-tolerant than some of the other varieties. We have Roussan, which is another French white grape. Makes a really good wine for us. We have Pinot Noir and we have Pinot Meunier and Petit Verdot. So I think the Pinot Meunier, we were the first ones to plant that in Texas also.
4: And now, seven years into their experience with grapes, Yoder says things are going well and they're hoping to expand their market. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: West Texas cotton farmers are struggling as the drought and high temperatures continue. Tom Nicoletti visits with one Southern Plains cotton farmer about the condition of his cotton crop. My guest today is cotton farmer
5: Lloyd Arthur. He farms in Crosby County that's east of Lubbock and uh, Lloyd you uh, are raising both dry land and irrigated uh, cotton. What does your uh, crop look like right now in the triple digit uh, temperatures and the very very dry conditions.
7: Well, Tom, it's kind of scattered across each field uh, in different stages, uh, the way it emerged. But we do have all of our irrigated that we planted and we do have all of our dry land currently as that we planted. Uh, The dry land is beginning to suffer uh, quite a bit, especially during the heat of the day. It's different by field by field and by stage. Irrigated is similar. The drip fields under subsurface irrigation seems to be holding up quite a bit better because uh, there's not as much uh, evaporation from irrigation pivots is a different story there is good fair and not so good stands within each pivot itself it's very sporadic in some and then there's some fields it's uh good from january to may 10th we basically had no rainfall in my area and then we started getting some rains on may 10th we got actually a two inch rain it came pretty hard and fast but it gave us some moisture and give us some hope that we could get some uh planning done I went out and planted my drip, knowing that it would be the hardest if I didn't have any rainfall. And for the most part, we were successful of getting a decent stand. And then the last uh, measurable rainfall that we've had was about an inch and a half, I believe it was on June 3rd. Uh, And then we haven't had any measurable rain since that time.
5: The drought, hot temperatures and windy conditions are the environmental impact on the West Texas cotton crop. The economic impact is the very high input costs. Combine all of these factors and farmers are making very difficult decisions of whether or not to continue irrigating their cotton crops with no rainfall in the immediate forecast.
7: Our pumping costs out here are mainly electricity, but we still do have some natural gas pumps running. Of course, those prices this year have doubled and tripled, and that's weighing on all the farmers' mind that the production costs are quite a bit higher than we have had in the past, especially last year. We had a tour group out looking at the crop and crop conditions and trying to do irrigation strategies. In my uh, presentation, I had pulled up my irrigation from January 1 to July 14th of 2021, and I had applied just a little over an inch, maybe inch and a half average on all my farms compared to January 1 to July 14th of 2022, I've applied in excess of over six inches in average on most of my fields. So that's quite a bit of difference of irrigation, trying to establish the crop, keep it maintained for production. When you take those costs with the inflated prices of energy that we're using to pump, it's weighing on everybody's mind how much further they can go. These crops that we have, we can't sustain it with the water irrigation that we have. People are, are, are just trying to make those day-to-day decisions field by field on when to terminate irrigation or if the crop looks good enough to continue.
5: Those comments from Crosby County farmer Lloyd Arthur on the Texas South Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
9: Each year, thousands of Americans are bitten by venomous snakes. What are you supposed to do if you're bitten? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: And allergies are not uncommon in horses at this time of year. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
3: Allergies are not uncommon in horses at this time of year. Dr. Bob Judd says there are options to help horses suffering with allergies.
1: Allergies can affect horses' immune system, respiratory system, and the skin. If not treated, allergies can affect your horse's performance and quality of life. Some allergic reactions are evident as a mild case of hives, while severe cases can make your horse miserable. Dr. Samuel White from England indicates in the horse publication that the immune system is involved with the allergic response, and when the horse's body is exposed to an allergen, a protein called IgE is produced in the body. IgE binds to cells in the body and releases inflammatory mediators that cause clinical signs like itching. Horses are exposed to all kinds of allergens in the hay, and some barns have noxious gases from the ammonia in urine that can cause an allergic reaction. And these allergies can affect the skin or respiratory tract. Decreasing the number of allergens to which horses are exposed can be done by removing horses from the barns when mucking out stalls and avoid storing hay in the same barn as the spores from the hay can travel a distance in the air. Also, soaking hay can be helpful in reducing the dust in horses showing respiratory allergy. Many of these affected horses will cough due to narrowing of the airways and mucus secretion in the airways. Skin allergies are very common this time of year due to insect bite hypersensitivity, as allergic horses are allergic to the saliva of biting flies. Some of these highly allergic horses will require body sheets to protect them from flies, as well as multiple fly sprays. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are poisonous
3: snakes all over the Lone Star State, and unfortunately, they will bite some people. Jessica Domel has some advice on what to do if you get a snake bite in today's Wildlife Report.
9: Each year, between five and 7,000 people across the United States are bit by venomous snakes. Dr. Maureen Frank, wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, recently sat down with Gary Crawford of USDA Radio to discuss
0: it. Some may have been bitten because they didn't see the snake stepped on it. However, unfortunately, with venomous snakes, a lot of times the reason people get bit is because they're trying to kill them and they get too close to them as opposed to just leave them alone.
9: Leave them alone. Dr. Frank says the vast majority of snakes in the United States are non-venomous, but they can still bite. So what should you do if you're bitten by a snake? If you
0: can take a picture of it, that's fine. Otherwise, if you can just describe it when you get to the doctor, that's fine. But don't try to kill it or capture it or anything like that because you're more likely to get bit again.
9: Even if the snake that bites you isn't venomous, there is still a risk of infection.
0: So if the bite punctures your skin, go wash it really well with soap and water.
9: Dr. Frank says whatever you do, do not try the remedies you may have seen in the movies.
0: Some people have heard about tying a tourniquet above the bite site to try to reduce the blood flow and keep it from getting to your heart. That does not work and, in fact, is very dangerous. So you don't want to try to suck it out or any of those kind of folk remedies. Now, Dr. Frank says one thing you could do is remove any tight-fitting clothing, shoes, jewelry, shirt sleeves, etc. that's near the wound. Because if it is venomous, you're going to get some very major swelling. But most important through this whole thing... Stay calm get to the doctor and they will be able to administer an anti-venom.
9: That was Dr. Maureen Frank and Gary Crawford. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
3: It was an up and down day to start the week in the cattle market on Monday, but the cotton and grain markets both took off to the upside. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
9: This is Jessica Domel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent my entire life involved in agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, 833-897-2474. That is 833-897-2474. If you can't write it down right now, Just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That is farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides
3: of Unchanged on Monday. To start the week, we settled out with the live cattle market finishing mostly higher, the feeder cattle market finishing mixed. August live cattle up 70 cents on Monday, closing at 135.62. The October up $1.05, 140.60. December live cattle up 72 cents at 146.15. August feeder cattle up 32 cents, 176.67. While September feeders were down 25, 179.42. October feeder cattle down 12, 182.32. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling most of our cattle here in Texas. In that 137 range, that's steady with the previous week. Box beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up a dollar fifty-eight at 270.49. Select up thirty-one cents to Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
1: Auctioneer Troy is going to sell cattle while I talk to that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how was Thursday's
10: sale? We ended up having a pretty good day. We had 1,551 with 334 cows and 25 bulls, 199 sellers and 75 buyers.
9: Walk the
2: pins with us.
10: On the stocker cows, we didn't have any real good pairs, a few decent pairs from 975 to 1,100. The mediocre middle-aged pairs from 6 and a quarter to 950. The good bred cows from eight to ten seventy five. The mediocre middle aged and short bred cows from five fifty to seven seventy five. The longhorn and the planter cows from two seventy five to five and a quarter. Packer cows and bulls would have been several dollars lower than a week ago. The good high yielding cows from sixty eight to seventy nine. The medium yielding cows from fifty five to sixty seven. Low yielding and lightweight cows from thirty to fifty four the good high yielding packer bulls from 90 to a dollar four the low and medium yielding bulls from 72 to 89 and the calves and yearlands were mostly steady with a week ago on a good active market uh, we had a lot of good quality worked ranch calves and that always makes our job a little easier so all in all it was a Pretty good day.
1: Good to hear it. Do you know of anything for next week?
10: Yeah, unfortunately, we've had several calls, uh, you know, um, of people asking for trailers for next week. So it's good for business, but man, it, it sure makes you worry about the the longevity of the agricultural world. And so, anyway, praying yep. for some rain this week. And and uh, anyway.
1: All right. Hopefully, we'll get some rain. Or this time in the fall, we'll be sitting under an oak tree playing dominoes. I guess.
10: Yeah, that's right.
1: Tell everybody how to get a hold of you.
10: You can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at five one two three nine eight three. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091.
1: Y'all have a good evening. We'll talk to you next week.
10: You too, Larry. Thank you.
1: And neighbor, thank you. I'm Larry Marble. I like this so much. I'm going to do another edition of Walk in the Pins for you, Mara. Until then, good day. Thanks,
3: Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished sharply higher on Monday. August hogs up 230 to close at 11212. The October up a dollar seventy seven, closing at ninety-four thirty-seven. Class three milk was higher. July milk up a nickel twenty-two fifty-seven a hundred weight. August milk up twenty cents at twenty thirty-six a hundred. Another big jump in the cotton market to kick off the week on Monday. Of course, it looks like a lot of the traders are covering their short positions on this market bounce. That's pushing prices higher. Also, some traders coming in trying to pick the bottom again as the market recovers. Got some good strength coming in from the outside markets as well. Grains and energies, both higher on Monday. That helped us out a bit on the cotton trade. October cotton up 401 points, back above a dollar. It closed at $1. .42 cents December cotton up 429 points to close at 93 cents even. The corn market higher Monday on a hot dry forecast for the central and western corn belt. September corn up 8 cents to close at 612 and a quarter. December corn up 7 at six ten and three quarters. The volatility continues in the wheat market. This is the time of year, harvest, when we normally see a lot of harvest pressure keeping a lid on prices. But this is no normal year. We're definitely seeing these big price swings. A lot of times we can't explain why it happens. That seemed to be the case on Monday. September Kansas City wheat up 36 and a half, 8 a bushel. September Chicago wheat up $0.36 cents at 8 12 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas was up 46 cents, 747, August crude oil up 449 at 102.08 a barrel. The financial markets lower Monday afternoon, the Dow down 212 points at 31,075, the Nasdaq down 94 11,357. the S&P down 32 at 3,830. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas
2: agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.